הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שבדורנו, כל הצדיקים האמיתיים שוכני עפר קדושים, אשר בארצנו, ובפחד לרבנו הקדוש, צדיקי סדורם, נחלן, אומר הכל חוכמה, רבנו נחלן, נפגנה, נחלן, 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 That this Torah was given right after Rabbeinu's son passed away. Rabbeinu gave this Torah after his his son Shlomo Ephraim passed away. Rabbeinu said about his son Shlomo Ephraim that he was a Mashiach. Hence the name Shlomo being the son of David and Ephraim the son of Yosef. He was Mashiach ben David and Yosef. Rabbeinu said the suffering that he has to endure. He started revealing a little bit. Rabbeinu started revealing a little bit just of the suffering that he has to endure as taking on this, this role as the Baal HaSadeh, the master of the field which we're going to see. Um, in the first section of this lesson. But Rabbi Natan says, the pain that all the students saw in Rabbeinu's eyes, and that they too had to endure because they knew it was because of their sin, and the sins of the generation, that this, this awesome neshama that was ready to redeem the Jewish people could not um, stay alive. And I think Shlomo Ephraim passed away very young, like within the first six months of his life, if I'm not mistaken. Rabbeinu told this, one of his students at the Bwit Milah son. Be ready to greet the Mashiach this year with, a, with, with He saw his sorry. He saw his student wearing a new gray coat, and he told his uh, his student, "With this new gray coat, you're going to greet the Mashiach this year." And after um, his son passed away, Rabenu told his student, um, "We're going to have to wait at least a hundred years for the Mashiach to come back. For the we're going to have to wait at least a hundred years for the Mashiach now that uh, Shlomo Ephraim has passed away." So, the top right into the lesson because now we're going to discuss very lofty, lofty matters. Um, the top end to and try to keep up. Don't go to collect in another person's field. And don't pass on from here. Keep your eyes on the field that they are reaping. And follow and go and follow them. I already commanded the young men not to touch you. Should you become thirsty, should go to the vessels and drink from that from the water that the young men draw in. Okay. Let's hop into the lesson. Dan no, for there's a field. And in this field grow trees and plants that are very beautiful and very pleasing. And the great preciousness and the beauty of this field and its produce is impossible to describe. Happy is the eye that has seen this. Rabbeinu teaches what this field really represents. The trees, the shrubs in that field represent a holy neshamot that grow over there. This content of the supernal field. And there's many naked neshamot, souls, um, that are wandering about outside the field. And they are waiting and hoping for the rectification. That they are able to return and enter their place. We're, dis we're discussing very lofty things here, as you can probably describe already. Very emotional things, things about the rectification of souls, things that have to do with the upper worlds and what happens to the person after they leave. The, and the resting place of the souls. 
וגם אפילו נשמה גדולה, even also a great soul, שבת תלויים כמה נשמות, that within this great soul, many other souls are dependent upon it. לפעמים כשהיא יוצאת לחוץ, sometimes when this great soul goes out, קשה לה לחזור לשם, it's very difficult for it to return inside. וגם, והם כולם מבקשים מצבים על בעל שדה. And all these neshamot that are naked, all these neshamot that are waiting outside to try to get back in, even those great neshamot, they are waiting and seeking out. They're seeking out and hoping for the Baal HaSadeh, the master of the field. That is able to engage in the needs of the rectifications. And there's a soul, in certain cases, there's a neshama whose rectification comes through the, someone else's death or the mitzvah, the, uh, doing a mitzvah or the avodav shalechad or the rectification comes through the mitzvah and the service of someone else. And someone wants to muster up his, his courage and undertake this role to be the master of the field. Rabbeinu says to be this Baal HaSadeh, a person needs to be a man who is deliberate, firm, a warrior, a wise man, and an awesome tzaddik. For this person who wants to be the master of the field, he needs to be at, a, at an exceptionally great spiritual level. There's a person who's not able to accomplish this, meaning there's the Baal HaSadeh, who's not able to, to finish this tikkun, Except by his death. And even for this, one needs to be a great. Meaning the Bala Sadeh, at this level, who can only accomplish this tikkun, and to help the Nishamot only in his death, has to be at a very awesome level. For there are many great tzaddikim, that even with their death, they are not able to be effective. So Rabban was saying, even the Bala Sadeh, who's at the level, who's with he, when he dies, he's able to accomplish the tikkun. This is an extremely exalted level. For there are many tzaddikim who pass away and they're not able to accomplish a drop of what the Baal Sadeh is able to do. Only if a person is at a very lofty, exceptionally great spiritual level, he's able to finish that, in, he's able to finish um, while he's still alive, this tikkun. For many sufferings and afflictions, come upon this person, but through his greatness, and his, his level, he's able to surpass all of them, and he's able to do the tasks, of the field, according to what he needs, by the way, you should know, that the Rabbanu used the word, to finish, similar to the words, that he writes in Chaim Oran, um, at the end of his, towards the end of his life, Rabbanu said, I have finished, and I will finish, the idea that Rabbanu was hinting here, that he is engaged with this work of the Baal Sadeh. Not only that, he's able to do it while he's alive. And when a person merits to rectify these souls and bring them within the field, then it's very good and beautiful to pray for them. Oh, sorry. No. Then it's very good and beautiful for them to pray. For then these souls can pray because prayer is in its rectification, it's in its proper state. And then the Baal Sadeh, the master of the field, is paying attention and he's putting constant effort to water the trees and to make them grow. And the other rectifications 
that are necessary to the field. And to distance the trees, each and every one from one another. So that one should not overshadow the other. Each one needs their own space. Because sometimes one needs to act very distant toward an extremely close follower in order that he shouldn't overshadow. In order that he shouldn't overshadow his friend. So we see here lots of things that the tzaddik, only the tzaddik, the bal hasadeh knows how to do with regard to the the, the necessities necessities of the field. And when these souls bear fruit, that they do the the will of God. When these neshamot are able to do the raton of Hashem, which means that they bear fruit, when these trees are able to bear fruit, how do they bear fruit? Doing the raton of Hashem, and they're able to to make the eyes of the bala sadeh shine. They're able to make the eyes of the master of the field shine. And he's able to gaze and to see in the place that he needs to. And this is what it says in the Bamidbah. The the field of tzofim seeing, seer's field. But when they don't do the Raton of Hashem, then the eyes of the Baalas Hadeh become dark. This is why it says, the weeper's field. Meaning there's two opposites. There's the seer's field. The field, whenever the, the Baalas Hadeh is able to see when the Neshamot are doing good. And when the Neshamot are not doing the Raton of Hashem, then there's something called the field of weeping. Which means the eyes of the of the tzaddik, the Baal Tzaddik, turned dark. For crying is the damaging sight. Because what does it say in Kohelet? It says, The clouds will return after the rain. And the Chachamim say on this verse, in Gemara Shabbat, this is a reference to vision, which is diminished after crying. Um, that after crying, which is the rain, the clouds go away, which is the concept of vision. Vision leaves the person after he cries, for vision is diminished after the person cries. But when the Baal Sadeh's eyes are shining and able to see in the aspect of Sedeh Tzofim, as we saw above, he's able to look at each and every soul and to bring that soul to the purpose of what it needs to do. And what does that mean? He's able to bring him each and every soul to its purpose, to its final goal. He's able to see the speech of every individual and to see if it's as its rectification. This is why you're going to see in the language of the Bala, in the language of Sipo Masiot, there's the concept of the field, how the um, how the the master of the field is missing, the one who tends the field is missing, and he's able to see. Um, that this man is able to see the jokes of the people at the time. It's all very uh, related to what we're talking about here. The concept of the field and um, speech and all these connections. So, Rabenu says, one is able to look at the speech of every individual and see if if the, this tzaddik is able to look at the speech of each and every individual and see if it's properly repaired. And if he sees that they are far from the tachlit, then he will bring them closer. And then speech will be perfected in its proper state. For every single word 
is a complete world. Rabbeinu gives us this beautiful imagery. When a person prays and he speaks the words of prayer, then he's able to collect buds, flowers, and roses, beautiful roses. Just like a man who walks in the field, when he collects one rose after another flower, one pleasant one after the next, until he makes a nice bouquet. And after that, he collects more flowers and buds. And then he makes another bouquet, and then he joins these two bouquets together. And then he creates many different bouquets and puts them together. The same is true of a person who goes in prayer, and um, he goes in prayer, traveling from one word to one letter to the next, until he's able to combine all the letters and make from them a word. For example, the word dibu. You go from the dalet to the bet to the vav to the resh. You create dibu. That's a one bouquet. The word dibu is a bouquet of its own, etc., etc. And the same is true of how he does it with complete words. And then you combine two words together. And he collects afterwards even more until he finishes one complete blessing. And afterwards he collects more and more, and he goes from. Avot likvurot, from avot to gevurot, to gevurot to gedushot, and then from um, further on, further on. We see in the Amidah, the first bracha is the bracha of the avot, second one is the gevurot, gevurot keshamit, third one is atakadosh, etc., etc. Mi efa'er godel pe'er alikudim alikudim she'adam elaket umkabed b'tiburah etfilah. Rabbanu says, who can extol the great splendor of these awesome and holy collections? That a person collects and he gathers together within the words of his prayer. It's amazing what he's talking about here. When the speech goes out, when the word goes, comes out from your mouth, and we know speech comes out from the soul. As we say in the Bereshit, it says, and it was that man was a living soul. And what is Unkidus translated as? What's a living soul? A speaking spirit. So we see the soul has to do with speaking. So we see speech emanates from the soul. And then that speech which comes from the soul then gets listened, get, then gets heard by the ears. Let your ears hear what your mouth is um, releasing. What happens? The speech, the word that leaves your mouth then requests and begs the soul that it should not separate from it. And then the second, the first letter Leaves a person's mouth. For example, the letter bet from the word baruch, the first letter of the word baruch. That letter bet requests and begs the soul so that it should not be separated from it. Because the, the, the bet says, How is it possible to separate from me from the great attachment and love that we have between us? Meaning between me, the letter bet, and between you, the soul. For you, the soul, see my preciousness, my beauty, my radiance, my magnif, my, 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 uh, my hadar, my splendor, my splendor as well. This glory. How are you able to tear away yourself from me and to separate yourself from me? Hen emet, 
It's true שאתה צריך ללכת יותר כדי ללכת עוד סגולות. זה קרוב וחמודו גדול, אבל איך תוכל לבחור ממני ולשכוח אותי? The bet makes this argument. Yes, it's true that you need to go from one letter to the next to collect other treasures, precious treasures and other delights, great delights. But how is it that you're able to separate from me and forget, forget me? Look at the, the beauty of what's happening in prayer that we don't even realize. When we say tefillah, we, we rush through the words, but look what's happening. Every single letter that we utter from our mouths is requesting our souls not to leave it. So what did the bet say? Just make sure that you should see to it that any single place that you go and you get there, don't forget from me and don't separate from me. Meaning move on, but don't forget from me. All the more so when you finish one complete word, then the entire word requests what we just mentioned. And it caresses and embraces him. And it doesn't allow this person to leave from it. And we know it's true that a person's force, it's necessary for him to speak more words, to pray more blessings and other ideas until the end of prayer. Therefore, the main idea is this that one needs to make his entire prayer one aspect. And every single word that you say, within that word that you say, you should have encompassed within it all the words of prayer. And from the beginning of prayer to the end, it should all be one word. When you stand at the last word of prayer, you should still stand at the first word of prayer. In order that you are able to pray the entire prayer. And nonetheless, and nonetheless, even if you're praying the entire prayer, you're not separated from the first letter of prayer. And know that this aspect, meaning this aspect of oneness, this itself is the ultimate goal that we're talking about. That the tzaddik is trying to bring each and every soul to the ultimate goal. As we said, what's the ultimate goal? Then we got into this idea of speech and now Rabbeinu is going back to the, the idea. That when the eyes of the tzaddik are opened, the eyes of the Bala are opened, he's able to see to each and every soul what he needs to accomplish and what the ultimate goal is for that soul. And it comes with this concept of oneness. As it says, On that day, Hashem will be one and His name will be one. Meaning on that day, what is that day? The takhrit, the purpose, the day of pur- the, the final day, the day of uh, what we're all here to do for, the olam And This day is entirely good. For oneness is all good. On this verse that we just mentioned, what did it say in the Gemara over there? Nowadays, no, ask the question. But nowadays, Hashem is not one. So why did it say in the verse, on that day God will be one and His name will be one. But He's not one now. But what did the Gemara answer? Nowadays, we bless on the bad things that happen. Diana met that God is a truthful judge. And the good things that happen, that He's good um, and He's beneficent. He, he gives good. But in the future, we are always blessed even on that which we think is bad. Because we'll know that there's no such thing as bad. It's all good. We find that the concept of oneness is the purpose. It's everything. Meaning it's the day of the, it's the concept of the world to come. It's one. 
we'll only see one aspect. There's no bad, there's no good, it's all good. It's all entirely good. For the purpose, the, the final goal is all good. Because if a person, even through all the suffering, all the troubles, the bad that comes upon a person, God forbid, if a person were to look at the, the purpose of this, it's certain that it's not bad at all. He would see only good. It's all entirely goodness. It's all good things. Because it's certain that all this suffering is coming to this person intentionally from Hashem for this man's good. Whether it's to remind him to do tshuva, whether it's to cleanse him of his sins. Either way, the suffering is very good. For God's intention is certainly only good. We find that all the suffering and all the bad that comes to a person, God forbid, if this man were to look at the purpose, meaning the intention of Hashem, because where does everything stem from? The, the divine intention of God. He would not, it would not be suffering at all. On the contrary, he would be filled with joy from the abundant goodness that he were able to look at the purpose of this suffering. For the purpose is all good. It's all one, as we mentioned above. Rabbi is teaching us how to, suffer, how to nullify suffering in the world. And the truth is, there's no bad in the world at all. It's all good. Rabbanu teaches us something amazing. It's just the essential pain that man has from the sufferings that come to him, that come to him, God forbid, is only because that Hashem, or that the, the Sitra tests him, and they try to take away his da'at from him, his awareness. Why? For that da'at is able to discern and able to help him look at the ta'khlit. But now that he has no da'at, he's not able to look at the purpose, which is all good. And then he feels the pain and the hurting of this suffering. Because if he has da'at and he's able to look at the purpose of where this suffering comes from, it's certain that he's not going to feel any pain of these sufferings. And with this, you'll understand a very concealed and hidden idea. What is instinctive in the soul of a person. Rabbi Nudin teaches something what is very common a person does. When he has great suffering, for example, God forbid, when they amputate a limb of a person, this man closes and shuts his eyes very tightly. See, when a person suffering, he closes and shuts his eyes. Because this we see naturally. When a person wants to see something very far from him, he squints his eyes. That he squints his eyes and he contracts and he makes his vision narrow in order that he's able to properly... Um, see with intent the thing that he needs to see from afar. This is because sight, vision, is an attendant and an emissary of the mind. It's the mind's messenger in order to bring something with, um, into the, the, the chambers of the mind. And for the essence of sight is knowledge to know 
the essence of something which you are seeing. And that knowledge is in the mind. And when a person wants to see, and sorry, when a mind wants to know something that stands opposite it, then he sends his vision um, as a messenger. And then that vision sees that object which the mind wants to see. And then the vision sends that object into the mind and now the mind is able to picture it. Then the mind knows what it's able to see. And this is why when something is passed before someone's eyes with great quickness, very swiftly, he doesn't know the essence of the item, even though it's true that he saw the items with his eyes, literally. But because it was so quick, he didn't have sufficient time to bring the object into the, into the mind itself. Therefore, when something is very far from someone, the, the vision doesn't have the strength to bring that object from afar and bring it within the mind. Because the things from the side, the things that are closer than this object are confusing him. And not only that, that his vision gets diffused along the way. To this, his vision is weakened. And with this, he has no strength to bring that thing which he's trying to see into the mind. This is why a person has to seal his eyes almost and to squint his vision so that he can properly focus on the thing that he needs to so that other things don't confuse him and so that his vision is strengthened and it's not weakened and now he's able to see that thing from afar the same is true of someone who wants to look at the purpose which is all good all one one needs to shut his eyes and to fix one's gaze upon the purpose the final goal for this light of this final goal is very far from man and it's only possible to see it except by only by closing the eyes you can see it that a person needs to close his eyes completely seal them very tightly and um, even to press the eye upon the finger. Sorry, to press the press with your finger the eye. In order to seal it completely. And now you're able to gaze at this purpose. Look at the, Look at Rabbeinu is teaching us the most natural instincts of a human and how this has to do with what we we're talking about. What does it mean to look at the purpose to shut your eyes? What we're talking about is to shut your eyes from seeing this world completely. Meaning, what does it mean to look at the purpose? You have to seal your eyes from this world. You can't fall into the vision of this world. This is like the blind beggar, as we see in the story of the seven beggars. See this concept. To conceal your eyes and to close them. So that you shouldn't gaze at all at the desires and the lusts, the cravings of this world and its all its vanities. And now you're able to see the light of this great purpose, which is all good. Then suffering will be nullified. How will suffering be nullified? When you get out of your vision of this world, when you stop getting out of your gash, when you get out of your gashmiut, when you're able to ascend to a place which you don't really have vision for this world, you have no eyes for this world. And that's through that, that's through awareness, Rabbanu said. The dat of understanding that this world means absolutely nothing. 
מחמת שרחות מהתחתית כנה. כי עיקר הסיורים מחמת שרחות מהתחתית כנה. For the essence of suffering comes because you are far from the purpose. From your purpose. From the final point. ועל כן נדבע בנפש האדם לסתום את עיניו בשעת יסורים כנה. This is why it, it's like instinct, instinctive in a person. And the soul of a person to shut his eyes at the time when he's suffering. Um, in order to flee from suffering and to nullify um, and to nullify the suffering through gazing at the, the final point. That seeing this purpose is only possible unless you shut your eyes. It's only possible if you shut your eyes. And even if a person doesn't know at all what he's doing, Nonetheless, the soul knows everything. And even though you yourself aren't, aren't um, doing this intentionally to so shut your eyes at the time of suffering so that you can bind yourself to the takhlit, nonetheless, your soul knows this. And this is why it's, it's, it's ingrained in the soul of a person to shut his eyes when he's suffering, as we saw above. This is where we're going to stop today. We will continue the class. We'll finish the lesson. Next, um, starting from section four to the end, next uh, tomorrow, Ms. Atashem.